Well, good morning. It's great to be back here. Been a, a few interesting events since uh, it last happened. <laughs> and Eva is going to come and read the scripture, and it's in Matthew chapter 25. Good morning. Matthew chapter 25, and we'll begin at verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right hand and the goat on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did it for me. Then he will say to those on the left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in person, and did not help you? He will reply, I tell you the truth. Whenever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I imagine all of us here want to serve the Lord. But how do you serve him? You can't take him to a restaurant or make him a cup of coffee, can you? (laughs) The only way you can really serve Jesus is in the lives of other people. So uh, we're at the start of a new week. Who might you meet this week that you can serve, knowing that in serving them you're serving him? 
So I think it's uh, quite likely that you'll meet a businessman sometime during the week. And businessmen, if they're doing well in business, don't appear to need much. They're very self-confident. If things aren't going well, then they think they just need to work a bit harder and then they'll be okay. They rely on themselves mainly. <clears throat> and uh, sometimes they're so busy you can't get near them anyway. And if you want to talk to them about something spiritual, <clears throat> it's all airy-fairy and it doesn't mean anything to them and they don't have time for this nonsense. And Why don't you go and talk to somebody else? And there's somebody a bit like that that Jesus meets. His name, we know him as Peter. He was a fisherman, and uh, it appears there was a small business with two boats. One was his, and the other one was Zebedee's. And there were two or three other men working with them, particularly the sons of Zebedee. <coughs> and they had been out fishing, or trying to, all night. <coughs> and morning came, they hadn't caught anything. <clears throat> so Peter came to the shore, cleaned his net, folded it, got ready to, for fishing again that night. And then he probably should have gone home. <clears throat> but he didn't. And we aren't given any clue as to why he hasn't gone home. <clears throat> but Men like that hate to confess failure. And some homes are more restful than others are. Some are a bit more like a battlefield. Than the <laughs> and uh, I did hear of, of one home, and uh, the couple were in their car, he was driving along, and... and uh, atmosphere wasn't good and the temperature was rising and they were having, to use a polite word, a discussion. <laughs> when he just suddenly burst out, I just can't understand it. Makes no sense to me at all why God should make you at one and the same time so beautiful and so stupid. And she said, well, it's very easy. He made me beautiful, thought you would want to marry me, and stupid, thought I would want to marry you. <laughs> <laughs> and it may be that Peter's home was a bit like that, and he didn't want to go home and admit total failure from the night before, and maybe his wife wouldn't believe him anyway. Now, you always catch something, come on. You've sold it and spent it on something, haven't you, yeah? And so he's not gone home, he's sitting there disconsolate and the day is just beginning to warm up when a whole bunch of people come down the shore and they're all listening to Jesus. And he's mildly curious to see what's going on here. <coughs> and the people press in on Jesus, particularly three big guys that 
always somehow end up on the front row right in Jesus' face. They've had garlic for breakfast. He can't see the rest of the crowd. Communication is difficult. And he spots Peter's boat. And he says, good morning, do you mind? And steps right into the boat. And he says, if you would just pull out a few feet, I'll be able to teach the people from your boat. Everybody will be able to see and hear. I will be able to breathe. And you're not doing anything anyway, are you? Thank you. (laughs) And Peter takes a deep breath because he's about to blast Jesus back out of the boat. When he realizes that it's quite a big crowd and they're all sympathetic to Jesus rather than him. And uh, they're not well-behaved Englishmen. They're kind of excitable Mediterranean types. And uh, so he doesn't do what he'd like to do. (laughs) He just with very ill grace does what he's been asked to do. Pulls out a little bit, stops the boat, and Jesus teaches from the boat. And uh, you're probably aware that some preachers, not here of course, but some some preachers really go on for quite a long time. And uh, Jesus tended to to do that. And Peter's tired, he's been fishing all night, and uh, he doesn't really want to listen anyway, so he keeps dozing off and the sun is beating down the back of his head and he occasionally comes to again, Jesus is still at it, so he dozes off again. Finally, Jesus tells the people, that's it for today, go away, see you tomorrow. And Peter thinks, wow, great, let me get home. (laughs) I need a meal, I need some rest. And When Jesus turns to him and says, now why don't you go out a bit further and we'll do some fishing. You think that's a popular suggestion? Hey, look, mate, we've been fishing all night. I'm the expert around here. You've never been fishing in your life. Any idiot knows that you go at night. It's cool. Get bad sunstroke, go out during the day. (coughs) And... The fish would see the boats and nets from miles away. They wouldn't come anywhere near. That's a totally dumb suggestion. Well, all right, then I'll prove it to you. And he grabs the oars and he pulls out a few strokes and steam blows out of his ears with every pull on the oar. He gets a bit further out and throws one net in the water. Jesus had told him to throw the nets, plural. One will do. Nothing there, is it? And he's standing there knowing there's nothing there when suddenly there's a big tug and he nearly falls overboard. And there's something in the net and he grabs it and whatever's in there is too heavy. And there's Zebedee over on the shore and he gives a big yell and Zebedee comes out to see what on earth is Peter doing out there. And when he gets close, Peter shows him the net. Look at this. And Zebedee sails off in a little circle, dropping nets all the way. And then they start to narrow down the circle. And there's a huge number of fish inside the ring. And 
the water's all getting churned up and they all start landing fish in the boats and more and more. Wow, I've never seen it. Until, stop! The boats are so heavy, one more fish, they're going to sink. <laughs> and Peter is not just a fisherman, he's a businessman. <laughs> and the little brain is in overdrive, <laughs> calculating what a huge catch of fish this is going to be this is serious money <clears throat> and then he remembers that Jesus is there just quietly watching all the activity hmm. he was right wonder if he'd like to join the outfit you know if he joined our team <laughs> and we caught this many fish every day we could retire in six months and go and live in Hawaii or somewhere. <coughs> and, uh, then he does a bit more thinking and he, hmm, perhaps he wouldn't want to join our team. <laughs> I wasn't all that polite to him a few minutes ago, really didn't want him. He might start his own team. That'd be bad. He'd put the rest of us out of business, wouldn't he? And he's just thinking in these terms when he goes a bit further. How did he know? Yeah. He's not a fisherman. How come he was right and I was wrong? Hey, just suppose he's right about God. Because if he's right about God, I'm wrong. And if you're wrong about God, you're in trouble. And about this time, Peter turns to Jesus and he says, you better go away, because I'm rotten. And uh, Peter came to that conclu conclusion because of his attitude toward Jesus to begin with. And he was amazed at the number of fish they caught. He hadn't expected anything. You better go away because I'm rotten. And, and Jesus said, well, I'm going away, but you're coming with me. You're going to start catching men now. And Peter thought, wow, couldn't even catch fish last night. Going to catch men. This, by the way, is the favorite verse of all women's Bible study groups. <laughs> And the next comment is amazing. They left everything and went with Jesus. A fisherman with the catch of a lifetime, a businessman with a golden opportunity to make some serious money, and they just left it. Because they had, had a glimpse of what we've been singing about, the incredible worth of Jesus. And when he calls us to follow him, in our heart at least, we have to leave everything to go with him. It may not involve leaving your home going to another country, but it could. It may not involve giving away all your money, but it could. 
in your heart, you leave everything to go with Jesus. And then you might meet somebody else. Not a businessman this time. Somebody with a really nasty disease. <clears throat> Worse than COVID. Contagious. Deadly. Ugly. I'll just wipe it off. It'll be all right. <laughs> I saw it. <laughs> And uh, what, do you, what do you do about that person? A man with leprosy approached Jesus. Not a small dose because we're told he was covered in leprosy. That means it was visible in every bit of exposed skin. In their culture, leprosy was associated with sin and it was a punishment from God for the sin. Lepers were excluded from society. They weren't supposed to come into town. Couldn't go into the temple or the synagogue. They were cut off from God even because they couldn't go to any of the places of worship. But somebody had told this man about Jesus. And they'd done a terrific job telling him about the power of Jesus. Because this leper came to Jesus and he said, you can make me whole. Not just stop the progress of the disease. You can make me whole. And anybody who's had leprosy a long time is missing bits and pieces because they have no sense of pain and they continue to do things that damage the body. Women pick up hot cooking pots and you can see the flesh burning off. Children lie in bed and rats eat their toes and they don't know. So the bit's missing. You can make me whole. Whoever had told this man about Jesus had done a great job on Jesus' power, hadn't they? Because this man really believed this. <clears throat> but whoever had told him about Jesus had seriously misrepresented him because he had a doubt about Jesus' character. And so he comes toward Jesus and says, if you are willing, you can make me whole. I'm no doubt about your ability, not sure about your attitude. If you weren't familiar with this incident, what would you expect Jesus to say? <laughs> nice of you to say so, but no, quite frankly, don't feel like it today. Why don't you see my secretary, see if she can fit you in next month? <laughs> that would be totally out of character, wouldn't it? 
I wonder if there are people who think that Jesus isn't interested in them and has no time for them because you don't. And Jesus is actually a bit shocked and he didn't shock very easily. Willing? Of course I am. And he did something unthinkable in that culture. He reached out and touched the leper. Nobody had touched him since he got the disease. Nobody. It was forbidden. You might get contaminated. Why did Jesus touch him? Not because he was unaware of the rules and not because he was a rebel at heart. But Jesus understood the incredible loneliness of a leper. In these days of COVID, sometimes we've been unable to touch people. I even saw somebody here this morning say, Oh, can I hug you? It wasn't me they were talking to, of course. But <coughs> and we missed that physical contact. And Jesus doesn't just want to heal this leper of his leprosy. He wants to repair the psychological damage of years of isolation. And as he reaches out, it's the hand of God that touches the leper and tells him, hey, you're a valuable human being. Then, of course, you may easily meet somebody who feels totally useless. They don't have any education worth talking about, no special skills, no special assets. Parents always talk down to them, you're never going to amount to anything and and this hopeless feeling person doesn't have a job is virtually unemployment um, unemployable apparently and there was a paralyzed man couldn't move a muscle couldn't do anything to help himself if he was going to eat and of course he had to somebody else had to go out and earn the money somebody had to buy the food somebody had to prepare the food somebody had to feed him every spoonful he was just a drag on his family and of course when you eat a little while after that then you get another problem don't you (laughs) he needs to go to the bathroom can't take himself there. Somebody has to help him get there and clean him up afterwards. 
useless. A drag on everybody. But this man has four friends. And they say, we're going to take you to Jesus. And if you have a little imagination, you can hear him say, what for? It's not going to do any good, you know. I'm paralyzed. Get used to it. So they just take him anyway. And they get to this house where Jesus is teaching. The the inside is packed with people listening to him. More crowding around the open door, more crowding around the windows. Everybody's trying to see and hear. They're never going to get in there with a stretcher, are they? See, I told you, it's a waste of time. Take me home again. So they take him on the roof. Hey, what are we going up here for? And then they start busting up the roof. (laughs) Hey, you can't do that. This roof belongs to somebody. He's going to be furious. I found myself wondering what I would have thought if it had been my roof. And see, whoever owned this house had made it available to Jesus. And if the roof prevents somebody from getting to Jesus, take the roof off. It's obvious, isn't it? (laughs) Whose house do you live in? And when they start breaking up the roof, the people down below notice. (laughs) When bits of roof started to fall in on top of them and there was nowhere they could push back to because they were pushed in. And the atmosphere wasn't very positive especially ones hit by lumps of clay or one's got a scorpion inside his shirt. (laughs) And somebody else saying, just my luck. I've waited weeks to hear this guy. He's just getting interesting and these hooligans come. And when they make a hole, and they must have made a hole at least six feet long, the sunshine came through like a spotlight on a stage. And into this is Lord, the paralyzed man. Everybody's looking at him. He's not welcome. <laughs> and Jesus' class has got interrupted. You know, I No, Jesus was a good teacher, but I think people stopped listening when the first lumps of roof started falling in. And the man is so embarrassed. What are my dumb friends doing? And he lands on the floor in front of Jesus. Seriously embarrassed, wishes he was a million miles away can't even turn his face away, he's paralyzed. 
And Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. And present in the room were many people who really wanted to listen to Jesus. And there were others who also wanted to, but only to find fault with him because they were determined to get rid of him. And they thought this was it. Your sins are forgiven. Who does he think he is? Only God can forgive sins. And there's a little huddle at the back, and they're muttering to each other. And Jesus says, I know what you're thinking. <laughs> you think only God can forgive sins, is that right? So who can make paralyzed people walk then? So that you might know that I have authority to forgive sins here, you, stand up, pick your bed up, take it home. And he did. So that they might know then, and we might know now, that Jesus has authority to forgive sin. Here on earth, you don't have to wait till you die to find out. Then you meet somebody who's got a really bad reputation. And uh, <clears throat> he's a scandal of the neighborhood. Everybody hates him. All kinds of stories circulate about him. How do you treat him? Because if you show friendship towards him, then you'll be labeled with him, won't you? So here's a man who has sunk about as low as you could in Jewish society at that time, a tax collector. <laughs> now I know, <clears throat> as a general rule, the tax man is not the most in, uh, <clears throat> sought-after person in your culture. <laughs> but see, he wasn't collecting taxes to give to his own government. He was collecting taxes to pay to the Romans, the enemy, the oppressor. And in doing so, he is betraying his religion and his nation. And he is hated. And right in public, Jesus addresses him. You've heard of him before, I'm sure. His name's Levi. He invented blue jeans. And uh, <coughs> hey, Levi, I want you. And Levi publicly got up and went with Jesus. these four people might uh, ask a question. Peter's would be, you wouldn't want anything to do with me, would you? I'm a sinful man. You better go away. You wouldn't want me, would you? The leper's question would be, you wouldn't touch me, would you? The paralyzed man's question will be, you, 
couldn't have a purpose for me, could you? I'm useless. Can't even feed myself. Levi's question would be, you wouldn't be my friend, would you? Tax collectors don't have friends. But surprisingly, everyone gets a positive answer. Yes, Peter, come with me, and from now on you will catch men. (laughs) Yes, Mr. Leper, I will touch you and make you whole. You're useless, Mr. Paralyzed Man. You've bust up my Bible class. No. You are my Bible class. I'm going to use you this day and tomorrow and every day for 2,000 years all around the world. People will learn about me because of you. You don't have any friends, Levi? Literally billions of Christians around the world will open their New Testament and the first word they will read is Matthew. That's it. Yes, I want you. Yes, I'll touch you and make you whole. Yes, I'll use you in ways you've never dreamed of in places you've never heard of. And yes, I will be your friend for time and eternity. I will introduce you to my Father in glory, Levi. I heard two sides of an interesting thought. We had one read for us. Inasmuch as you did it to the least of my brothers, you did it to me. So you treat everyone as though they were Jesus. Right? What's the other side? You treat everyone as though you were Jesus. Because he lives in you and wants to express himself through you. So whether it's an arrogant businessman or whether it's a person with a dreadful disease or somebody that everybody else thinks is totally useless or somebody else that everybody hates, that's Jesus and you're Jesus. Jesus. 